Welcome to the Branding for Abundance podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and success coach. My goal on this podcast is to simply teach you how to proclaim your victory in your relationships, academic and career endeavors, business, money, and your mindset. Learn some simple tools and techniques to brand your life for abundance and live your epic lifestyle. Welcome back to the Branding for Abundance podcast. This is Dr. TK. So I want to welcome you to a special episode. Today, we will be talking about seven tips to creating the private practice schedule of your dreams. So this is actually a topic that I, again, see a lot of mental health providers who are just starting off with their private practice and or are looking to expand, maybe even leave their jobs that they're currently in. They have excuse me, a very difficult time figuring out what is the best schedule. And so from my seven plus years of experience with private practice, I thought that I would share um, some tips, which would be seven for today, of how you could um, structure a better schedule for yourself so that it will also not make you overwhelmed. And it'll also get you very excited because I'm all about creating a lifestyle full of abundance. And so Let's go ahead and jump into it. If this is your first time joining my podcast, welcome. Um, As a professor, a teacher, a mentor, a coach, um, I definitely give you actionable steps. And so our actionable steps today will be the seven tips. So make sure that you have your pen and paper ready. So let's go ahead and dive in. So tip number one, you want to be aware that your schedule can and or I'm going to say will change based off the season that you are in in the year and I'll explain and also it has something to do with the type of clients that you see so for example when I first started my private practice I was seeing about 90% adolescents in my private practice so what that meant was that typically and I found this out by uh you know, experience is that on the holiday break, such as Thanksgiving, because usually the kids would get one to two weeks, depending on their school district, um, Christmas break, along with spring break, along with summer, those would be the times that my private practice would actually slow down. Now, I know that in mental health, we're taught that typically the holidays are very difficult for our clients. However, when you're working with adolescents, and I'm going to say even adults for that matter, because the majority of my practice now is all adults actually, except for like one or two people. Um, you know, people want to actually take breaks. And I found that a lot of my clients feel like they have to ask for permission to take a break. And so um, be very aware that your ideal clients that you attract in your office may dictate the fluctuation of how your schedule may go. And what I started doing, because I also have children, but before I even had kids, I started just taking my vacations and my breaks, very similar to like a teacher that works, of course, at a school. I would take my breaks when I knew that my clients would start taking breaks. So tip number one is to be aware that your schedule can change via the season of your clientele. So um, 
Okay, so um, some more tips will come up. So tip number two, um, define short-term versus long-term therapy for yourself. Um, A lot of us are trained in evidence-based practices, EBPs, and so some of the short-term therapies can be like seeking safety can be anywhere from like 10 to 20 sessions. Um, And then long-term, of course, can be six months, a year, and or plus like a few years for certain clients. And sometimes we don't know that the client is going to go into long-term therapy because some clients don't divulge all of the information or their historical data um, that equates to baggage right in the beginning of therapy during the intake process. However, sometimes we can get a sense of when it's going to be short-term versus long. And so short-term versus long-term client can also dictate what your schedule can be like because if you know that you have a long-term client maybe for complex trauma, then you want to be very I'm going to say cognizant of how you schedule them and even if you will accept that client. If you know that you are about to go on a three-week vacation out of the country and that client is not high risk, um, they're not suicidal or anything. However, you know that in the beginning phases of your treatment with trauma, you are helping them talk about their trauma. Why would you help them open up their Pandora's box and then you leave for three weeks? Right. It's like snatching a bandaid off and then saying, oh, let me put it on really quickly. And so be very aware of when you're taking in new clients, um, try to uh, base this information off of the consultation. So get as much information as you can. And there's ways that you can do that. But try to find out as much information as you can in regards to the purpose of their therapy and all the things that they may want to talk about in therapy, even though it may take them a while. And typically what I do is I give them categories like, you know, have you been exposed to trauma? And most people know what trauma is. And then if they say yes, I'll say, okay, um, do you believe that it's been one incident or has it been multiple events across your lifetime, um, including childhood? And if they typically say the latter, then I know it's not going to be short term. And so I have to decide if I even want to start them right now or if I know I'm going out of town, I will still put them on my wait list, but I'll say for your sake, because I do not, and I tell my clients the the phrase Pandora's box. I don't want to open up Pandora's box in the beginning of treatment because how my phases of treatment goes, we will dive into your history on the second um, or third session in depth. And so how about we wait until I get back from vacation and then we'll start because there will be no interruption for therapy. Let's just say if this is the summertime, you know, um, and then I would let them know, like, you know, are you OK with during the holiday? If we're in treatment at that time, specifically for longer term clients, I go ahead and let them know if they're coming in my schedule for the summer that, you know, typically during the summer, I take two weeks off off with my kids when they're out of school as well. Or if you don't even want to divulge information about your kids, just let them know you take two weeks off for the holiday. And I haven't had a client yet that says, oh no, I need a therapist that's available like 24-7. So tip number two is define short-term and long-term because that may dictate who you will and will not see in treatment along with like vacation. Um, Tip number three, referral process and referral system in place has to be present. And so now I'm getting into some of the information that we go into detail with in the Dope Therapist Academy, which is my private practice program for beginning clinicians in private practice and or those who need to rebrand themselves and create a newer structure to grow their practice. 
um, we want to make sure that you are taking on the right clients. Because if you say, I want to have a schedule with weekends off, I want to have a schedule where I see clients between this time and this time, you have to be very clear on what level of care you're accepting in your practice and levels of care just means like are they appropriate for private practice should they be in a clinic where it's multiple people or a group practice just in case you're not there just in case you call out sick just in case you're on maternity leave should there be um, a referral to someone who can come and see them out in the community because maybe they have difficulty getting to your office due to gas and such Um, and or are they so high risk that up on the intake, you recognize that they need to be referred to the hospital right away. And so at levels of care, just always remember that private practice is actually the lowest level of care because we're by ourselves. We're not on call for the most part. Uh, people can leave us a voicemail, but what's on our voicemail? If it's a psychiatric emergency, please call 911 or go to your nearest hospital. And most of us don't even answer our phone calls. And if not, check our voicemails, like we turn it completely off when we're out the office. Some of us even have the automated um, email system where when we're out of the office, we push that button on. And as soon as someone emails us, it sends an email back saying we're out of the office. So you want clients to know right away during the referral process that they may not be appropriate or they are not appropriate for your level of care, but also have some type of system in place, a Rolodex per se on your phone or in a binder of some referral resources, if not their insurance company that maybe they found you through. Okay, so have a referral system in place to refer out for higher levels of care if needed. And this also applies for clients who come into services and they did not divulge all the information or you may have a sense because I've had this before where I've had a sense that they may require higher levels of care. But I want to gather more information to make the most appropriate um, clinical referral. So I'll still let them know we can do the assessment process, but I'll let you know at the end of the assessment phase, which would be maybe two two to three sessions, if not before then, if you would be appropriate for the type of service that I provide, because I want to be present for my clients um, at all costs, but this is a structure of my practice. And all of my clients, I'm going to say in my history of private practice, except for literally one client, everybody has actually appreciated that because they don't want to start treatment, go in depth with their history, and then they can't finish with the same therapist. Okay. Okay. So referral uh, number tip number three is referral system, because again, this is helping you create your ideal schedule. OK, because you may be wondering, like, why is she providing all this logistical information? Well, if you don't have these things in place, your schedule will not be the schedule of your wildest dreams because you will continuously have to be available 24 seven for clients. If you want to see clients short term, a short term client can turn into a long term client. They're impeding on your vacation time. Then you have to figure something else out. And the list goes on and on. Tip number four. I've already kind of spoke to this, but uh, consider vacation time and time off and actually write it on your calendar. Write it on your calendar because when you are doing consultations, someone is going to ask you, are you available every other week? Are you available every week, depending on your schedule? And you want to let them know you know what, I am available today, but actually starting next week, I'll be out of the office um, for two weeks, whether you're at training or vacation, or you're just taking mental health days off. It doesn't matter. You don't have to 
divulge why you are taking time off, but you want to actually put it into your calendar. So if you use electronic charting systems and you're on your computer while you're on a consultation call with a new client or one of your clients wants to reschedule, you should have your vacation time actually blocked out on your schedule. And for those of you who are listening and you have interns, you have other clinicians, for example, in a group practice, or you're even subleasing or subletting office to other clinicians, you want to have some type of shared calendar where at least you block out um, office space. I know when I have my group practice, all the clinicians will be blocked out for who's using the office and what time blocks. And then I would also have them tell me not submitted because it's not a job job, you know, but it was a contracting job is I need them to tell me, email me and put it on the calendar when they're going to be out. So that way, when we received new referrals, if we had a client that would be a good match for them, we would tell the client, oh, it looks like they're going to be out of the office until August 15th. Um, but I think that this would be the best match for you, or let's just say the clients, they used to do their own homework because we would have all the information on our group practice website and they would say, oh, I want Dr. So-and-so, oh, I want therapist so-and-so. And so we would let them know their schedule and then the client can decide at that time if they want to wait. But guess what? I wouldn't know if they needed to wait if that clinician was um, not following the protocol of putting their calendar um, in place. Okay. So number five, what type of client fits that schedule? So this is when we get into the client avatar. So the first structural thing for you to do is figure out what schedule you actually want. Okay. So I'm going to give you my example because at the time, and this may resonate with a lot of clinicians that are listening, I was working full time at the county, at the jails when I started my private practice. And initially I was working at the camps, then I moved around to the halls and in the community. So my schedule fluctuated, but let's go with the camp at first. I was working 10 hour days, four days a week. And so I had Thursday, Friday, and Saturday off every single week. And so what I would do is I started off my private practice working on Fridays. And the reason why I chose logistically Fridays is that I was teaching on Thursdays. So I didn't want anything to um, you know, impacted my teaching schedule. And at the time I was teaching from six to 10 at night at University of Phoenix. So what I would do is allow myself to sleep in. I would run any errands, um, you know, do any type of personal care, uh, any type of appointments. And then I would go teach at night. Right. So that would be my Thursday sold up. And then honestly, on some Thursdays, I was actually working overtime. And then on Friday, I would work at the private practice. So initially, I believe I told myself I wanted to work Fridays in the daytime. And then that didn't fit because I continued at that time. I didn't even know who my ideal client was, but the way that I marketed myself and I know I loved working with teens and their families, I was attracting a lot of teenagers. So my ideal clientele or the, the, the clientele that I was passionate about actually told me when my schedule had to be, if that makes sense. So you can do this one or two ways. You can either go in, which I would not encourage you to do, go in blindsided. And especially if you're subleased in an office, this is not ideal because what if you can't change your schedule? What if you go in like I did and say, oh, I want to work Friday mornings and then you're attracting... therapy clients who have to come in after three. Luckily, I had the office all day on Fridays because no one worked on Fridays and so and or, or on Saturdays for the most part. 
So they told me that if I needed Saturdays, then that would be good. And so I said, okay, at least I have some flexibility. So that's just a bonus tip as well. If you're subleasing an office, make sure that you have uh, room to grow. And I actually have this information in a previous podcast episode. I think it's episode number four. And I talk about like moving around to like multiple offices in like two to three years or something crazy because I did not do my homework. And so Um, Needless to say, I end up flipping my schedule into Fridays from 3 to 7 or 8 p.m. even because I started seeing couples. And then I recognized that, oh, a lot more adolescents want to come see me, but they play sports or they run track or play basketball whatnot. So then I opened up my schedule for Saturday mornings and I did not prefer to work after 2 because I wanted to enjoy my Saturday because I would have to go back to work on Sunday. Okay, so when it says the tip number five, what type of client fits that schedule, you want to first identify for your abundance, what schedule do you want? And then you have to ask yourself, does this schedule fit the clientele that I want to serve? And if not, then you need to change your schedule. Okay. Because what's going to happen is you're going to start just plugging in clients just to fit in that schedule. And then what if you don't even like that clientele? So it is a give take process and there has to be sacrifices that are made, but I want you to be happy with both. Okay, so I found a happy median where I didn't mind working Friday evenings. I just had a cutoff time, but I also recognized that I actually love working on Saturday mornings and I still like working on Saturday mornings now. So uh, number six, you want to understand the flexibility in office space and or learn how to see clients online. So that's what I spoke to a moment ago in regards to if you're creating your schedule and your subleasing office and you don't have your space, do you have the room to be able to, to play around with your schedule a bit? Okay. And with scheduling, I would highly encourage you, and this is something we go into detail with in the academy, the Dope Therapist Academy, is you want to be mindful of when you're taking on new clients to cluster clients in your schedule. So when I say cluster, if you have a client that, let's just say you have Friday and Saturday open and you're like, whatever the first client is, that's what day I'm going to start working because that's what I told myself. I did not want to spread around my schedule because you will not like to go into the office or even see a client online. It breaks up your day to see a client for one hour and then you're done. Then you got to hop on the computer or go to the office the next day for another hour. That doesn't even make sense to me. So what you should do is if somebody books on Friday at 12, then you say, okay, I know I um, put a block time of 12 to 6 on my schedule. So now that somebody said they're available at 12, your goal now is to hopefully schedule somebody between 12 and 2. And the reason I say 12 and 2 and not 12 to 6 is because you don't want to have a four to five hour gap in between your day, especially if you, and now if you're at home, that might be different, but if you're in the physical office, Um, you may want to ask yourself, what's around my office that I can do in between that time? So one of the great things about the office that I had for my individual and group practice is that we were in a shopping center. We were right next to the Cerritos Mall. So I got very strategic with how I made my appointments. I found literally a nail shop around the corner from my office. And once I found that nail shop and I experimented along with another therapist that I said, hey, meet me at the nail shop on our break because we had like a two to three hour break sometimes on purpose or on accident is that we would purposely schedule our nail and eyebrow appointment and she would get her uh, eyelashes done. We would purposely schedule our um, breaks or 
our, our nail appointment at the time where we have those gaps. But if you don't have the luxury of being able to do that, then you want to cluster your clients within certain time frames. Okay. And also take that into consideration when you're seeing online clients and Depending on when you're listening to this episode, at this time in our era, a majority of clinicians have to see clients online if you're in private practice. So just keep that in mind that your household still runs when you are creating your schedule. Okay, like I can't see clients whenever. I actually still stuck to the schedule that I had in the office. The only difference is um, I have a little bit more flexibility in regards to me seeing clients all day. I just have to make sure that I give myself breaks. Okay, so when you're creating the schedule of your wildest dreams, you want to make sure that you're happy with the times of your schedule and just please take care of yourself, take care of your body, take care of your mind because that dictates the quality of work that you give your clients. So make sure that you schedule a lunch break in your schedule. And number seven, really, really important. I'm only going to give you 5% of this because again, the 95% of it is in the Dope Therapist Academy. And if you're interested in the Academy, um, make sure that you check the show notes and get yourself on the wait list because we will be opening up enrollment very soon. Okay. Is you want to define part-time versus full-time. Like what does a part-time schedule look like versus a full-time schedule? Most clinicians are not sure. In my Dope Therapist Academy, I assess this a lot because a lot of them are tired. A lot of them are saying, I need to see... 25 clients in order to leave my job. But then when we look at, for example, how much money, how much money they're making from their clients, meaning how much they are charging per service type and, you know, running their numbers, which a lot of clinicians don't know their numbers. We recognize when we do the calculations in a spreadsheet that I give them that they actually don't have to see as many clients as they think. So, The reason why I said I'm only giving you 5% is because you have to get the in-depth information, of course, in the academy. But what I am telling you is define how many hours you want to work per week. Don't think about the money because I think that a lot of us chase the money and that's the problem. Now, I know you got to pay for your bills, but I follow passion. And money to me follows passion because I love what I'm doing. So if I say I only want to work 25 hours a week. My question to you is, is that 25 hours in clients? Is that 24 hours in total? Because a lot of us have different streams of income. For me, that's my total. I totally with uh, working with the nonprofit in the community with the reentry program that I do trainings and, um, you know, other things, um, along with teaching, um, for a community college and, or online doing things for my church, uh, coaching programs and therapy. I only want, and creating content. I only want to work 25 hours a week. So, and that may sound crazy to you, but again, in my programs, we go in detail with teaching you how to do that. Okay. Cause you, I want you to live a lifestyle full of abundance. And for me, abundance means time getting my time back. So, I run my numbers. I look at, okay, if this is how my schedule needs to be, what are my activities? Then how much money are those activities generating? And how do I need to, you know, follow around with these numbers to produce the amount of revenue that I need to make in my business to, of course, pay for my living expenses, but also, of course, make profit because that's why you're in business. Okay. 
So let me just recap the seven tips to creating the private practice schedule of your wildest dreams. Number one, uh, your schedule can change based off the season of your client. Um, Number two, you want to be able to define what short-term versus long-term therapy looks like because that can dictate what your client's schedule looks like. Number three, have a referral system in place to dictate how um, you're going to refer higher level clients out. Um, Tip number four, consider vacation time and time off and actually put it on the books, put it on your calendar. Number five, what type of clients actually fit your ideal schedule? And that's actually who you need to market to. But of course, you want to be in love with those clients. Number six, flexibility and space are online to see clients. You want to make sure that either you have the flexibility in your schedule to uh, cluster or block out certain times for clients. And then you also want to make sure that you have room for growth in the private practice setting that you're working in. For example, if you want to add another day. And then tip number seven, you want to define part-time versus full-time, meaning know your numbers because you may not have to see as many clients as you think. So I really hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. Um, If you check out my show notes, I do have some resources for you. And so if you're looking for more information about growing your private practice and either you haven't started one and or you want to start one, I mean, I'm sorry, or you've started one, but you want to make sure that you're on the right path to growing your private practice, then I'm encouraging you to take my private practice quiz. The link is in the show notes. It's completely free. And the awesome part about this private practice quiz is that it will help you classify how ready you are to um, brand and grow your private practice business. And I remember, even if you already have a practice, it's still good to get this information because a lot of the clinicians that I work with, about 95% of them, they are stagnant in their practice, whether it's client caseload, uh, growth, they may want to switch up who their target audience is, marketing practices, and so forth. And so they need clarity of what direction to take their business in order to scale. Okay, so make sure that you check that out on my show notes. Um, If you're not already, make sure that you head over to Instagram and follow me. I post motivational things, especially videos as well. And a lot of times it's not duplicated, of course, of what I put also on the podcast. So make sure that you follow me over there and turn on the post notifications so that you can also catch me live and ask questions live. Okay. Um, so if you want to take it a step further, I would really love to engage with you. Make sure I hope that you subscribe to my podcast show on iTunes and or on Spotify. Um, but I want to hear your takeaways. I want you to tell me what was your biggest takeaway from this lesson. So you can do multiple things to tell me this. You can either go on one of my um, Instagram posts and just say, you know, I love this podcast episode, especially if you see it posted, because usually I post like a short little snippet of it and say, go listen to the full episode. You can DM me. You can take a snapshot of this episode and tag me in your stories on Instagram. But I would love to hear from you and engage with you. And so that's all we have. This is a wrap up of the seven tips to creating the private practice schedule of your wildest dreams. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Share it with another therapist that you know would benefit from this information. And I will see you in the next episode. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. I am super excited to see your growth in your business, career, money, and relationships. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych, where you can find daily inspiration and tips to live your abundant lifestyle.